Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello and welcome to episode 232 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, welcome back everyone. This is Jason and we've got a great episode for you today. Uh, We are revisiting with an old friend of the show, uh, someone practically from right out here in my backyard. It's Brian W. Peterson. He is the author of psychological thrillers, sci-fi adventures, and a wonderful nonfiction book, uh, Paper Doll. Uh, We've talked about a few of those on past visits, and this time we are going to be discussing, oh my gosh, we are having a blast talking about his latest book, The Nova Quadrant, uh, which is available right now. We're also talking about cliffhangers versus satisfying endings, series Bibles, uh, so much more, and the uh, Star Trek fan film that he just finished working on. And uh, you don't want to miss out on that. You don't want to miss hearing out on that because that was awesome. And I can't wait to see this film once it's ready to go. All of that is uh, coming up in today's episode. It's just a couple more minutes away. So hang in there. So if you want to jump to that, just jump ahead a couple of times on that 30 second bar. Uh, you know, Just a few minutes, maybe four or five minutes. And you'll get right to that. Or if you want to hear about some of the other fun stuff then just be patient real quick i want to thank everyone on our youtube channel that channel has been growing quite a bit these last uh well well, actually for the last year it's uh, getting new subscribers every month and it's been a lot of fun even have people commenting on there periodically uh we've got new subscribers sarah eric katie and uh, nicole thank you so much for subscribing and telling me why you subscribed no pressure at all from anyone. Yeah, that's right. I don't I don't pressure anyone. You don't have to subscribe if you don't want to. You don't have to leave a review if you don't want to. I only ask that you follow the authors who are a guest on this show. And, and no matter what you think of their books, make sure to leave a review so that way you can tell other people about it. And if you feel like it, you can let people know that you found out about that book because of the Sample Chapter Podcast. That would be pretty cool. Some other things going on lately, if you've been following the show on social media, is I've been in a a friendly competition with my friends at Pop Goes the Culture uh, Network. We've been having a favorite video, favorite music video competition, and uh, my video, Sledgehammer, by Peter Gabriel, has made the final two. So as of today, March 28th, you have two days left to to go in there, find the uh, to find the poll and vote, and uh, see if uh, see if we might win this thing. It's uh, it's tight. It's a tight race. I'm up against Coldplay and the Scientist, and uh, it's but it's been a lot of fun. I've been really surprised with some of the videos that uh, I went up against and won. And there's also been a lot of really good uh, music videos on there. Honestly, I I. Uh, I misunderstood the instructions. <laughs> I thought it was 80s based music videos and Thriller had already been taken. Aha, Take on Me had already been taken and I was thinking about oh man, maybe maybe Genesis, uh, Land of Confusion, that's a great video. Uh, you know, but ultimately I went with Sledgehammer just cuz that stop motion. It was the first time I'd seen anything like that. It was really amazing. 
And I went with that, and so far, a lot of people have agreed with me that it's it's uh, made the final two. So yeah, if you want to follow, if you get a chance, uh, Twitter is really the best place. Find the Sample Chapter Podcast on Twitter, and then you can vote for the poll there. I keep resharing it and calling out other podcast friends and uh, past authors. So if you're a previous guest, you know, give me a give me a hand here and go vote for Sledgehammer. Uh, writing wise, I'm having a blast right now finishing up bandit 2 i downloaded a 1989 location map or it's a what are you going to call this it's a map of worlds of fun in kansas city i i found one online and uh it's really cool because online i can zoom in quite a bit on the map and pull up other locations and then i printed one off so I've been marking off like, okay, here's where Bandit goes in. Here's where the bad guys are. Here's where there's been some other surprises and uh, where their finale is going to be. And oh my gosh, I'm having a blast writing this thing. It's so much fun. I hope this, I hope, uh, you know, readers of uh, Bandit 2 enjoy it as much as I am writing it. Uh, but uh, yeah, hopefully uh, this is, uh, this is going to be done in another week or two, hopefully by the next episode. I will be able to announce that the uh, first first draft is done, that I'm neck deep in the edits. So that's the plan anyway. If you're a coffee lover, make sure you're following Writer's Block Coffee. They are a, an affiliate of the show, meaning if you go in there and you try out some of their coffee or order anything from their store, we get a small little something that goes back to help the show. Writer's Block Coffee has three delicious flavors, and uh, among them is my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Blend. Oh, I, I do. I, I really love my whiskey coffee. It's, it's so good. Uh, but yeah, click that link in the show notes to get right over there, or just go to writersblockcoffee.com and use coupon code SAMPLECHAPTER, and you can save 10% on your order. I also want to invite you to go over to Pop Goes the Culture Network and check out all the different shows on that network. Lots of great ones. Uh, they're all pop culture related. So whether you are into movie news, reviews, you know, all that kind of stuff, anything pop culture related, even old 80s stuff like me, <laughs> it's in there. Uh, and you know, one of my favorite shows on the network, The Backlot by Alamo Drafthouse, is back after a long hiatus. Uh, so that's been fun to follow them and hear them talk about the uh, the Oscars that was uh, just recently and all that. It's a really good show and one that I enjoy. But click the link in the show notes to find all those shows. All right. Well, hey, without further ado, it's time to get on over to our interview with our friend, Brian W. Peterson. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Hey, welcome back. And uh, this time, we are welcoming back to the show uh, an old friend of ours, someone who's now making their third visit to the show. Uh, he first visited with us in 2019, episode 65, with his novel Wager of Death. He was back again in August of 2021, episode 187, to discuss Paper Doll. And now I'm welcoming back to the show sci-fi psychological thriller author brian w peterson brian welcome back to the show it's good to be back i appreciate uh, being on your show yeah i'm glad to have you here and uh 
really excited for everything we're going to be uh, discussing and uh, some some really cool things you've had going on in the background here lately. Yeah, I've been a little bit busy. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's jump right into that. What uh, tell tell us all a little bit about what you've been up to in the uh, in the background. Where have you been lately? Well, before we get into the book, then I um, I wrote and produced a, a Star Trek fan film. You know, when you think fan film, you think a lot of times low budget or uh, low. You know, they're all low budget, low production values. But this is not going to be the case. This was shot at uh, the NutraZone Studios in southeastern Georgia, Kingsland, Georgia, and it's um, a film set, not a museum, and it, it it looks just like the bridge of the original series, Starship uh, Starship Enterprise, except for in this case, my story is a different uh, starship. So we have a, a little plaque, coolest thing. And uh, of the ship and got a, a unique story and it will probably be out on YouTube this fall. I say probably just, you know, hard to tell sometimes. You'll got to do the editing, the music, and not me, by the way, uh, <laughs> editing, music, uh, CGI and uh, the CGI guy is great. We've had, we had some really good, uh, high quality people who worked on this and they're fan films. So they're, they're low budget people. Uh, mostly do this for free and uh, it was a lot of fun uh, being the producer and um, and then of course like I said I wrote it uh, it was a really cool experience and I was down there for uh, about a week and um, looking forward looking forward to getting that out and just you know something that I was trained to do and something that will you know help advance me somewhat perhaps can't make money on it Paramount doesn't allow that <laughs> but um, it is a, it's going to be a good little film. And uh, I will be sending that out to my um, uh, blog list when that time comes uh, late summer, fall, something like that. That's awesome, man. That is really cool. I know you've got a, you've got a history with TV and film, but how did you, how did you fall into this? Okay. So this is a little complicated. Um there's a um, Star Trek uh, fan film called uh, Star Trek Continues, and it's considered the king of the fan films before Paramount uh, changed their guidelines and limited to, I think, uh, what's supposed to be 15 minutes. And you can't have uh, former Star Trek actors before all that. Um, Star Trek Continues was a uh, fan film that uh, series, 11 episodes, that connected the original series and the, the final years of the mission members, the five-year mission that yeah. the show was canceled after three years. And it connects it to Star Trek, the motion picture, which came out in memory serves 1979. And it, it bridges that gap. And they did a really good job. It was really good quality. And um, so the guy who did that, Vic Mignana did my um, audio book for paper doll. And he's doing the audio book for the Nova quadrant. So uh, after knowing him, coming down visiting the studios, one thing led to another. And one night over dinner, when uh, everybody um, was getting ready to go home and wanted to do this again, they said, hey, you should write a, a Star Trek story. And I said, yeah, yeah, sure, right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, okay. And next thing you know, um, we're, you know, I don't know, 
less than a year later, we're um, shooting the film. So it's going to be about 30 minutes and it, it's a, it's a fun little story. It's a bit unique and um, I'm just looking forward to it. So just, um, you know, it's, it's funny how film works, you know, it takes forever to get anything done because, you know, there's a lot of work to be done after the shooting is, is uh, complete. That's really cool. That's really cool. I'm a, I'm a brown coat at heart. So I've got, I've watched some of the fan films that have been made for Serenity and Firefly. And some of those are actually really not too bad at all. And uh, so this is really cool to, to know somebody that's in that field that's doing this with Star Trek. That's, that's really cool, man. Yeah, another friend of mine does an Avalon series. It's Star Trek, but an alternate universe. And uh, and he's he's really good too. The guy was my uh, director of photography, uh, Josh Irwin. And so it, it, there's there's a lot of good work, and a lot of hard work going mm-hmm. in, into these fan films. So when you think fan film, you know, you, you get this kind of funny look on your face, like you tasted yogurt or something. And uh, but there's some good stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. And you never know. I mean, even though, like you alluded to, said you can't make money off of it, but it's still a lot of fun and you never know where that might lead you down the road. Exactly the point. And maybe it helps with uh, book sales for my sci-fi. Maybe it helps uh, maybe get more involved with film or maybe I just had a lot of fun. (laughs) Can't, can't, uh, can't argue with that either. (laughs) <laughs> exactly i've got a uh an old sci-fi cult classic that i i'm keeping it close to the vest right now but it, i have a, a sequel idea for it and i just watched rewatched it again the other night and was explaining it to my wife because she couldn't remember the movie and i was like no 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 here we gotta watch it we gotta watch it again so but that's one that i i know that's the same thing like i don't own the rights i would not <laughs> be able to do anything with it but uh other than just write a uh, fan fiction of it and put that out for free would be all i could do yeah and i had never written anything in a known universe so this was different for me um i like star trek but i'm not one of these people that can go oh well they didn't wear those boots in season one yeah i don't know that that's not (laughs) me you know and just like in star wars you know, where they, well, that lightsaber was the wrong color. Well, I don't notice the, I mean, I noticed the lightsaber color, but I didn't know, you know, the crystals wouldn't, wouldn't allow a certain color. And so, um, yeah, it, it was, it was different writing in a known universe where there are certain things you have to get right. Mm. And whereas, you know, like in, in my novel, we're going to discuss the Nova Quadrant, you know, it's, it's all new. And so I can go any direction I want. We can't do that with Star Trek. And uh, because the Star Trek fans who watch it, and by the way, these get these fan films get a lot of hits. Um, fans won't be happy. They do not want it messed with, you know, in terms of, of getting it wrong, of, of something that's canon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and I know you're a big uh, con goer that uh, you hit several of the cons locally. And I know, <clears throat> this episode will have already come out by the time planet comes around, but the movie won't be ready by then. So who knows, maybe next year planet will be up for doing a showing of, uh, of your fan film. I could see that being a, a fun thing to do. I like your thinking. I know, <laughs> I know that if, if all goes well, 
we're going to um, uh, enter it in fan festivals, but film festivals, excuse me. But I could be getting ahead of myself. So let's, I, I probably better wait uh, until we have a finished product before I say something <laughs> like that. <laughs> All right, fantastic. Well, then let's talk about something that you do have control over. Let's hear a little bit about the uh, the Nova Quadrant. Tell us about this new book. So I've gone back to sci-fi. It is set in another part of the galaxy. Part of the galaxy, a supernova is about to explode. Could be months away, could be a couple of years away. Billions of inhabitants have fled for their lives. And in their haste, they've left behind a lot of wealth, either to support infrastructure or law enforcement or bandits who are there to steal what has been left behind. Untus Ursulanus, Yuyu, and his gang come to the conclusion that they can't get out of the quadrant with their riches and avoid incarceration. So they come up with the idea of switching sides and helping law enforcement. Well, the idea sounds good, but it just has one big flaw, and that is law enforcement doesn't trust them, and the other bandits already hated them because they were competition, but now they've changed sides. They're, they're on, on the side of law. So in a dystopian world, where there is little law and where killing is the norm, Yu and his gang have to find a way to survive by outsmarting and outkilling their enemies. And their enemies are everyone in the Nova Quadrant. Hmm. All right. Wow. Now I'm still, that's the first time I've given that pitch publicly. So I got to work on that, get that a little smoother for uh, all the cons I go to. But, um, <laughs> Uh, that is the Nova Quadrant. It is a sci-fi, and you know I'm not much into dystopian stuff normally, but um, as this came together, it just it just felt good to to uh, to uh, write a dystopian story that is it's not set on Earth, and to me, it, it, a lot of dystopian stuff is same old thing, mm. and this is not. So that that's one one uh, uh, part of the appeal for me as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm sure you know, you've been at this for a little while. You've got several books, uh, you know, on your under your belt at this point. So coming up with a completely new story, new characters, has got to be refreshing as well. Yeah, it's one of the biggest reasons why I never wanted to do a series. And this is a series. This is book one uh, of oh. a series. And but the the flip side of that is it will have an end. I am not going to be one of these people that, you know, I die while I'm writing book 17, you know, and, <laughs> and um, I, I, I've just never been in the series. And so I have a cousin, Mick, who was bugging me and said, you need to write a series. And I said, no. And he said, you need to write a series. And I said, no. And after a while, I finally said, all right, all right, I'll write a series. So. You know, it's not something I had planned on doing because I have so many ideas, either in my computer, in notebooks, uh, fragments of ideas, big outlined uh, write-ups, all kinds of stuff. And I, I didn't want to get bogged down in the series, but I thought if I limit this to a trilogy, then I'll be happy and my cousin will leave me alone and I'll be in good shape. And so... Um, uh, in fact, he was my beta reader on this, him and his brother. And um, 
because I, I don't normally go to beta reader, but I did on this because it was my first world building sci-fi. My first sci-fi, Children of the Sun, is set, you know, 70% on Earth. And this one being set elsewhere, I wanted to make sure that I nailed it. And um, so I, I had um, uh, Alpha Reader was always my wife to see what doesn't make sense. And this time I had a couple of beta readers, my cousin. That's cool. Uh, and you said you're looking at uh, a three book series. Uh, are you looking at maybe like, um, is the first one going to be like come to a satisfying conclusion or is it really kind of feeding into the second book where it's like, you really want to know what's going to happen next uh, cliffhangers and such. It's, it's got to come to a satisfying conclusion hmm. and still fill the uh, role of leading to the next. Um, I, I read a, a somebody series one time of the first book of the series and it ended mid story. I'm going, what the heck? No, you've got to have a conclusion. You've got to tie off that first story. And so I, um, I look at it and I, I fall back when I write, when I, even when I write novels, I fall back on my um, uh, screenwriting training. And that is I write three act plays. You know, if you, you uh, watch a movie, the first act is you get to know the characters and something uh, really bad that happens to the main character. This act is as the um, uh, everything builds against the, the, um, the good guy and it looks like there's impossible uh, for, for, for this uh, character to survive or, or to win out. And then the final act is um, where they come um, and you know, becomes the hero um, or you know, overcomes an enemy, overcomes a creature, overcomes addiction, whatever it is. And so it's, it's a three-act play. Well, in the same way, the trilogy. So when, when, you, when I get all done, it will all f should flow together to a certain degree, not completely, because I still need to tie off the first book. I'll need to tie off the second book. Um, so I, I, I might have said this before on your show, but I always tell people, I, I compare it to uh, the original Star Wars, what we now know as episodes four, five, and six. George Lucas wrote that as one movie. Right. And, you know, whiny Luke to Jedi Luke, who takes on the Emperor. That was all supposed to be one movie, but there was too much there. So he had to break it up. That's why Star Wars, the original three, flow so well and they're so good. Mm -hmm. And not so much the sequel, the prequels, not so much the sequels, but those first three, they were meant to be one story. So you have an ending. At the end of episode four, you have an ending. Episode five, if I recall, the episode five ending wasn't as um, you know, tied off as neatly. But the point is that I, that's what I want to do here: is the each novel will have three act play, and then the whole story will be one big three act play. And so it should flow together well, even if it doesn't flow as okay. Now we're here. Now we're here. You know, it can it can move you know move around in time. At least, you know, we're still building and going with these same characters as, as they have their encounters of, um, you know, impossible odds that they have to overcome. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. And it's that was one of the things I always liked about the original trilogy was, you know, you get the first ones like, yeah, Vader escaped. 
we think the empire has been uh, destroyed uh, and whatever and uh, the heroes are the new heroes of the day and then everything gets darker in the second one you get to a satisfying pause in the action where you can wait but what's going to happen to han solo is vader really his father all these questions that you can't wait for and so you're looking forward to the next book and then that well at that time for what the next 30 years the satisfying conclusion of the star wars series and uh that that's always a fun thing and it's something i'm i'm aspiring myself with my own series like i said i got book one i had a satisfying ending but enough questions enough things where you can go oh yeah there's there's you know here's some openings that's going to lead into book two and uh <clears throat> going from there and, and i do have it planned um it's not going to end after book three but i do have an ending after maybe it's going to be between six and ten i'm trying to decide because i've got it just depends on how tired i get of it but yeah i've got a couple of books where it's like yeah they're going to have those that darker tone and um you know because the the heroes have got to go through some bad stuff and you gotta wonder are they going to make it to the end of the series you can you can end that first story like star wars did where oh, i guess it was hanging with darth vader forgot about that but you can leave it without a definitive um um piece that's hanging down for the audience if it's a good story and they want they want more and then you know you can pick up with your next story the same characters. Um, and and by the way, when you write, I'm, you know this is to a lot of writers listening. They're going, yeah, yeah, we know this, we know this. But this, this is the first time I've done a series, and I'm going, I gotta be. I mean, uh, I'm sure this is the norm for all the writers, but it was new for me. I have an Excel spreadsheet for all the planets that are involved. I have an Excel spreadsheet for all the characters, the main characters. And then I have lists of weapons. I have lists of um, uh, clothing. I have lists, uh, it's on and on. And, uh, and then I have my notes and I have all these documents open when I write. And um, then, I, of course, I have the outline. And um, it, it, it sometimes gets a little confusing. I go, wait a minute, what planet was that character from? Oh, crap. <laughs> and then I got to go back and, you know, and look. Or, uh, uh, you know, in my outline, it, I outline, not everybody outline, but I outline and then I go, no, I don't want that character killed. So I'm going to go back and change that. Mm -hmm. And uh, I need that character. And okay, I can kill this character instead. And so it's kind of comical because you have to be careful. And there, as I'm writing, I'm only about seven or eight chapters into the next book. And I'm going, shoot, I wish I wouldn't have killed that character. But too late. <laughs> so, so yeah, you got to, at least from my point of view, I, I just I say that because not everybody takes this approach. But you got to plan, you know. And um, uh, have me having never written a series, this was entertainment all by itself. Just watching me try to write it was entertaining enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I feel you there. I don't normally outline. But with my own own series, I've I've learned the hard way. I've got to, uh, I've got to outline and keep track of the creatures, their names, the the different alien races, and who said what and who did this in the previous, and what I have planned for them going forward. Because I already messed up big time. People that follow the show regularly, they know I I messed up by uh, 
not outlining book two and I was a little like two thirds of the way through it. And I realized, Oh, I'm, I'm writing book three. <clears throat> so I had to go back and cut that all out, move it over <laughs> and essentially start book two That's over. <laughs> that is a bummer. Well, and then there's little things like um, my main character, you, you, you know, he, he has a favorite gun, a favorite weapon, mm. a laser. Okay. And another character has a favorite knife. A, a, a large um, uh, military knife. And, you know, I, I want to remember that later. I want to get it right later. I want to make sure that, you know, I don't have them carrying something else. And so, yeah, it, it can, um, it, it can be overwhelming if you let it be. And so, you know, I just took the approach of, okay, I'm going to be all organized as I can be. And uh, I still have had a couple times where I went, oh, and, uh, you know, but, or I'm, I'm, you know, using the search on, on my first novel, you know, it's still on a word document for me. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's entertaining all by itself just to keep things consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think as soon as I'm done with this, I will probably print out my, uh, some of my notes or, or maybe I'll just print off this book, uh, to go through it a little bit better with my with all my other notes and the outlines and the character info so that way I can look back through and edit and then put everything updated back into the document from there. I don't know. I just kind of, I need that visual, like kind of spreading it out in front of me so I can see it better than, than my files on my computer. I just, I look at it differently. I look at it better that way. I think. Yep. We're all wired differently. Yep. <laughs> Well, I know uh, we've covered this before, but uh, where can people find and follow you so that way they can find out uh, you know, where to go pick up the Nova Quadrant and uh, how they're going to find out when this uh, Star Trek movie is available? For the Star Trek, that will be at my website. Um, I'll, I'll have some kind of announcement there. And then everybody who's already on my blog list. Uh, for the Nova Quadrant, um, it is available... Uh, in a number of places, including Amazon and um, Barnes and Noble, but the easiest way is to go to my website, written by bwp.com, and I'm uh, getting that where it's. Um, I, I don't know that it's there yet or not, but trying to get it everywhere new books are sold online. Um, so, and, and you know, I have a couple books that are Amazon only. So, just the easiest way to always explain is go to written by bwp.com. And then you click the link and it will take you to where you can purchase the book. Uh, the Nova Quadrant is available in paperback with the uh, uh, audiobook coming soon. In fact, just last night, I was listening to um, the voice actors um, uh, work and you know, just going through and, and listening for any mistakes. Um, and so, and that's the same voice actor I mentioned earlier, he did Paper Doll, the because uh, that's available in all three formats now. My first three books are available only in paperback and ebook. Paper Doll and uh, Nova Quadrant are books four and five. And then two more Nova Quadrants coming. And then I will most likely switch back to uh, thrillers again. So I like to, I like to do both. I like to keep them separate, sci-fi and, and thrillers. Uh, but I, um, I just kind of, you know, bounce around a little bit, uh, whatever keeps my little brain happy. <laughs> uh, 
Outstanding. I love it. And of course, everyone, I'm going to have links for that in the show notes so that uh, as you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, you can just scroll down to the bottom, click that link, you can get right on over to his website. I'm going to also include the uh, the links to the past interviews. So if you want to hear more about Paper Doll or <clears throat> or wager of death, then you can jump back to those interviews and uh, hear samples of those. Uh, but uh, of course, you know, just hop on over to his website and you can pick the books up uh, yourselves. Brian, as always, man, thank you so much uh, for joining me. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to hear all about this and uh, check out this movie. I appreciate it. Um, also uh, Facebook, my page is written by BWP and Twitter is at written by BWP. I appreciate being on your show. Um, two Missouri boys uh, just uh, sitting around chewing the cud and um, uh, works for me. It's, that's that's why it goes so smoothly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Plus, you know, and having another championship under our belts is uh, is nice with the Chiefs. <laughs> right. Yeah. That Now that football season's over, I get more writing done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. All right, ladies and gentlemen, time for me to uh, grab a cup of writer's block coffee and step aside, hand the floor to my guest, Brian W. Peterson, with a sample from the Nova Quadrant. I'll be reading from chapter 10. And just as a reminder, the main character's name is Yuyu. Chapter 10. Laser fire of all colors volleyed back and forth, signifying the various weapons of assorted manufacturers on many planets throughout the quadrants. Pinned down behind a burned-out Rojani cargo craft, Chab Dab and Kimberlina, both Rojanis, fought with fearless fervor as they attempted to protect the gang's right flank. The intel showed a weak spot, which Yu said they could overcome. At this point, Yu's prediction proved unfounded. For his part, the frontal assault he led with Giba, Bill, and Muki faced much heavier fire than predicted. Where did all those creatures come from? Yu shouted in the direction of his cohorts. Though it seemed like an odd time to shout a rhetorical question, such was the colonel's frustration level. We were promised a weak defense. Indeed, law enforcement made such a guarantee. The message from Abasonis indicated a Trerazon gang hideout, a bombed-out compound, really, ripe for conquering. Authorities knew the Trerazon gang well, supposedly because their criminal reign over Ceratops had exhausted what few resources survived the Great Exodus. The city of Trerazon, the third largest on Ceratops, lay devoid of life and resource, thanks to the eponymous gang. Fearing they would migrate to another planet like a swarm of insects bringing famine, apprehending the gang seemed like an easy way for the UU gang to earn their reputation as reformed. Instead, explosions from grenades told a different story. Kembek, Eva shouted, using her friend's given first name. Kimberlina sounded like a much more affectionate name than Kimbek Perlina. We're trapped, Kimberlina shouted back. The separation of 35 meters proved more of a problem than had been foreseen. When they initially hid behind the cargo craft, it was fully intact. Now, to call it a shell of a vehicle would be an overstatement. An explosion near Chabdab sent a small piece of metal into the Rojani's head, knocking him unconscious. The explosion knocked Kimberlina backward, exposing her entire body to enemy fire. The enemy did not miss. Kimberlina's screams unnerved the group. Already down to 11 due to Rick's absence, they stood on the precipice of losing two more friends and facing even worse odds of survival, let alone success. Ceratops all, 
the Truzan gang members swooped in on the UU gang's right flank as Chabdab and Kimberlina faltered. A sudden and heavy volley aimed at UU's position left the team struggling to find adequate cover. The left flank, held by Krieg, Yang, Blick, Anton, and Elena, lay too far away for assistance. Damn, UU shouted. Surveillance had shown two could cover the right flank, yet in retrospect, Six might not have been able to hold it. He glanced at Mookie. Where are you shooting at? In the heat of the battle and chaos, Mookie declined to answer. Three successive stray shots had not accomplished anything, but he did not wish to make such an admission at the moment. Chabdab! With desperation in her voice and weakened movements, Kimberlina grabbed her comrade by his shirt with both hands under his chin as he fought to regain consciousness. An explosion from a Ceratops rocket grenade sent more shrapnel into both combatants. Kimberlina cried out again as hot steel blasted into her right leg and hip. Chabdab again struggled with consciousness, but his bleeding head brought far more concern to Kimberlina. I don't get some help. We're both going to die. Resignation peppered her words. Her fate seemed sealed. The twilight attack had turned to nighttime during the battle. Despite searchlights and the light from fires and explosions, Anthon shocked the entire band, especially Yu-Yu. Without warning to his mates on the left flank, he leaped to his feet, away from the compound wall which served as cover, and ran to the forward position. The wall, which jutted out from the main wall of the structure, apparently served at one time as a fourth wall for a separate structure. Now it served as their left flank. Anthon abandoned safety for his critically injured friends. Anthon, what are you doing? Their concerned leader asked from behind one of the overturned cargo trucks. They're going to die if we don't do something. Congratulations, Anton. Mookie could not hide his disdain. You're pinned down with us. I'll use my personal shields, Anton insisted. I'm glad you have shields left, Mookie moaned. We're out of shields here. Only later would they realize recharging batteries or replacing personal shield kits were impossible tasks. Demand outstrips supply more every day. Before Anton could respond with words, he let his actions do the talking. Three steps into his charge to the right flank, a laser overwhelmed his personal shield and struck him in the leg before shrapnel from another rocket grenade felled him, leaving him out in the open. Mookie and Bill stood up together, opening cover fire. Crawl, Giba shouted. I'm going, Mookie yelled at Yu Yu and Bill. Keep firing. Mookie reached Anthon without sustaining return fire. He grabbed his fellow Andalian by the arm and half dragged him toward the frontal position's cover. Just as they reached the relative safety of a cargo truck, a hellacious attack drowned out sound and darkness. Explosions from lasers and grenades rocked the UU gang's position. When it stopped 10 seconds later, Chabdab and Kimberlina were nowhere to be found. You are lucky, Bill shouted at Mookie. On a whim, Krieg and Yang rushed forward from the left flank. With a boost from Yang, Krieg peered over the main wall of the compound to get an idea of the enemy's location. A yellow laser round blasted by his right ear, causing him to leap backward off Yang's shoulders. He crashed to the ground unhurt. The two raced to the cover of a large cargo ship. The left flank's cover proved safe, but too far to assist trapped Conrad on the right or in the front. What did you see? Blick asked. Oh, we're going to have some fun, Krieg laughed. You ready for this? As the others looked at him in anticipation, he opened up a box he had carried with him to the battle. He pulled out a grenade for the Rojani Hyper Grenade Launcher. It seems like a long time ago we were in the diamond mine on Jilo. It was last week, Blick chuckled. Oh, so long ago, Krieg turned his attention back to Yang. 
I only get to fire off one that day. Do you have that tube? Gain handed him the launcher, which was less than a meter long. Everybody grab two. We're going to blow these things up as fast as we can. Again, Krieg laughed. Destruction excited him, but especially when that destruction came in the form of explosives. In rapid succession, Krieg launched Yang's two grenades, then changed his stance with only a twist of his shoulders to select new targets a few degrees from the original victims. Two quick launches of Elena's grenades were met by another pause as he stopped to listen to the explosive roars. Realizing the lack of return fire, he looked at Yane and nodded. Two more grenades launched, followed by two more from Elena. Within a few more seconds, all 12 grenades had been launched, two hitting approximately the same area before moving on to another area of the compound where he would land two more. The ferocity of the fight lessened with only a few sparse laser shots illuminating the night. Krieg would have loved for his grenade attack to have been the opening salvo of the battle, but the fighting had been too intense to scout the targets. Hand grenades ready, Krieg shouted to the frontal position. The UU gang, he announced in a thunderous voice, which had become his typical battle cry. In near unison, nine grenades flooded the compound grounds. Dirt, building materials, and body parts filled the air, then settled back down to the ground. After a 10 long seconds of silence, they knew the matter had become a cleanup operation. Wait a minute. From his forward position, an epiphany struck Yu Yu. He looked at the right flank, then shouted, Follow me. As he ran toward the spot where Chab Dab and Kimberlina had endured punishing bombardments, he looked toward the left flank and yelled, Krieg, Yang, wait. Behind the extended wall, Krieg looked at Yang. Apparently, he thinks we've left our cover. It sounds to me like they're staying right here, and so am I, Yang replied. Hopefully he's trying to find something else we can blow up, Krieg said with a tinge of glee. There will be more, you crazy Lurian. There will be more, just maybe not today. Yang laughed as he admonished his friend. Return fire ceased. Voices carried as they began to understand the battlefield better. At the left flank position, Mookie arrived out of breath. He had followed Yu Yu, but only to Kimberlina's last known position, then made his way to give the word to Yang. Yu Yu doesn't want to storm in just yet. He paused to catch his breath. They got Chab Dab and Kimberlina. They're gone, and we're sure they didn't surrender. Any idea where? Elena asked. Yu Yu, Giba, and Bill are trying to find them. Okay, Yang took command for the moment. Let's go hold the frontal position in case there's anyone left to rush out and attack us. He looked at Blick. You stay behind. Leaving Blick behind, the others reclaimed the middle. After several minutes, Giba approached the frontal position, walking with a slow, deliberate stride. She joined the others. She eyed Mookie, Elena Krieg, Yang, and the injured Anthem. It's not a good time to speak to Yu Yu. She paused, her emotions fighting to get the best of her. We caught up to a Ceratos. He said they took Chab Dab and Kimberly away. To where? Elena asked, her emotions beginning to arise. Giba shook her head. As an afterthought, she answered the question. We don't know. The creature wouldn't tell us. So Yu-Yu snapped his neck. Sounds like Yu-Yu, Creed reasoned. The creature said they were going to keep them alive to get information. Then Yu-Yu should have kept the Ceratops alive for information, Yang countered. That's what Bill said. Giba hesitated again. But there's more. Her halted speech continued. Bill recognized him as law enforcement, or at least someone who has worked with them. Before anyone could respond, Yu Yu and Bill approached them from the darkened right flank. 
The faded embers of the land craft behind which Chab Dab and Kimberlina had hidden no longer supplied much light. It's probably too late to find any more Ceratops alive, Yu Yu said, reasoning the Trerzon gang had been killed or fled. Kill anyone you find. Surprised, the others looked at each other. What about our contract to bring them in alive? Yane asked, unable to hide his incredulity. Yu Yu shook his head as if to say, that's not going to happen. But Yu Yu, Yane pleaded. I'm angry too, but law enforcement is looking at this as part of the test. They want us to bring back prisoners. Yu Yu fixed his angry gaze at Yane. Tell me I care about a test. Kill them all. No one in the group spoke up. They were used to the volatility of their leader. This was Yu Yu. This was his attitude when angered. Even so, most members of the group had a history of being enthused when orders were kill them all. All right. That was Brian W. Peterson reading a thrilling sample chapter from The Nova Quadrant, his latest book, which is available right now. Hey, don't forget to click the link in the show notes for everything Brian, his website, and his social media links. Plus, I have his past episode links in there as well. So if you want to hear about his other books, you can click that and hop on over to those as well. Don't forget to click the links in the show notes for our podcast friends or to grab some delicious coffee. As always, I invite you to follow the show on social media and hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss out next time when I'm back with an all-new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. Take care, everyone. We'll uh, talk to you again real, real soon. Bye.